This isn't about a cake. This has never been about a cake. Well, if it's not about a cake, what's it about? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Not about cake. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, Radio Sputnik, and many other fine affiliates across this planet. Five days a week, blanketing planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. And no... It is not your imagination. The chaos in these United States continues apace today with climate-fueled fires ravaging the West, uh, particularly down here in Los Angeles. New allegations of sexual misconduct in Congress and calls for a U.S. senator to resign. If he hasn't already, by the time we get to air, I'm sure that our friends at our affiliate AM950 are talking about this quite a bit today. And as if all of that is not hectic enough, the president of the United States, in a move expected to make tensions in the Middle East much worse, much more dangerous, announced his intention to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel to the divided city of Jerusalem. What could possibly go wrong? But while all of that and much more is going on just days before a highly contentious U.S. Senate special election in Alabama, the U.S. Supreme Court, with its stolen 5-4 to four Republican majority, is hearing arguments on cases and issues this week that will have an enormous impact on rights and freedoms for Americans for decades to come. And frankly, in any other uh, time, any other moment in, in U.S., modern U.S. history, uh, several of the cases heard this week at the high court would pretty much be all that anybody was talking about, frankly. But with the uh, madness and chaos now underway in this country every day, almost nobody is talking about some of these cases. We will, uh, we will do so, however, right here on the broadcast momentarily with legal reporter Mark Joseph Stern, who was at the Supreme Court this week to witness oral arguments on an important case about your cell phone privacy and one on the alleged 
religious liberty and free speech right for businesses to discriminate against, well, pretty much anybody they like. But in this case, against a gay couple who wanted to purchase a cake for their wedding. Uh, So that's coming up momentarily. Very quickly, though, let's uh, get an update on these raging wildfires out here in Los Angeles and the next county over, Ventura County. This is very bad, Desi Doyne. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, I think bad is uh, kind of an understatement. Um, These uh, Santa Ana wind driven wildfires, they've destroyed nearly 200 structures around the Los Angeles area and up into Ventura, as you mentioned. Um, They've uh, burned nearly 200,000 acres at my last count. 200,000 acres? Yeah, that was me trying to add up because there's four fires going yeah. on. Four major fires. Yesterday when we got off air, we were about 50,000 now already spread to 200,000. Right, so these, uh, that's among all four of these major fires plus a much smaller fire that is actually burning in the city of Los Angeles in Bel Air. That's that exclusive region of mansions where Ronald Reagan used to live and where Fox News CEO Rupert Murdoch also has a mansion. I saw a tweet earlier that his house was on fire. True? Uh, No, not as far as I can tell. The last I checked, it seemed like some people jumped the gun on that. And the fire, I mean, the flames are like within 30 feet. It's very close to his house. So by the time people hear this, it may be on fire. They may have saved it. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But the worst part about it is that it's also that particular fire in Bel Air has also approached the Getty Center of Art, the the massive museum. Now, the officials say that the priceless artworks inside are safe. The building is made of concrete. So... Hopefully, fingers crossed, that stays okay. Um, Ventura County Fire, that's the one we talked the most about yesterday. That's the one that's at the iconic beach town of Ventura. It has now gone all the way to the ocean, to the beach, and it's destroyed more than uh, 200 homes. 50,000 people have, uh, uh, 27, sorry, 27,000 people have been forced to evacuate. And um, now firefighters are just trying to prevent the fire Mm. from moving inland to the Angeles National Forest and the town of Ojai, which is Mm. uh, a wooded town famous for its arts and culture. And um, luckily, though, one good thing, 100 tortoises and turtles were evacuated from the nonprofit conservancy conservancy that protects them in Ojai. Um, And then there's three other fires that have also triggered about 20,000 people to evacuate. And worse, it's causing traffic, evacuation traffic on all of these mountain roads. So it's actually quite difficult for people to get out. Um, These fires have shut down the 405 freeway and the 101 freeway. And for people who don't live here, these are huge, major uh, interstates that are going to be, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare out there. One other good thing, uh, however, uh, we should note, I, I think nobody has yet been killed that we know of from these fires. Right. There, uh, so far, there have been no reports of deaths or and nothing major as far as injuries. However, 29 horses were found dead oh. um, in a barn because their owners could not get to the barn soon enough to let them out before and it caught fire. Uh, man, yeah, not good. And there is uh, no end in sight right now, at least, is there? Uh, no, none at all. Uh, right now, the size of these fires are likely to grow. The authorities say they're still seeing erratic fire behavior and erratic winds that's making the firefight very, very difficult. We will have more on that in our next Green News report, no doubt, and on the climate change fingerprint uh, for these uh, fires. But I want to get to this uh, very quickly because uh, Mark Joseph Stern is standing by. Uh, Minnesota's Democratic Senator Al Franken's support in the U.S. Senate crumbled 
on Wednesday after another woman emerged. This one also unnamed, uh, but said to have been a Democratic congressional aide, uh, saying that he forcibly tried to kiss her in 2006 after her boss had appeared as a guest on his uh, radio show at the time. Franken was elected to the U.S. Senate back in 2008, and seating uh, was very his seating was very late in uh, 2009 after a very close election and the incumbent Republican Senator Norm Coleman uh, launched a months long court battle to keep Franken from being seated. The new allegations now against Franken bring to seven the number of women accusing him of various forms of sexual impropriety. Uh, Before he became a U.S. senator, more than a half dozen female Democratic senators and some uh, of their male counterparts on the Democratic side uh, called on Franken to resign on Wednesday. The Minnesota Democrat scheduled an announcement for Thursday, says he has not yet decided how to proceed, though many expect him to uh, to announce his resignation on Thursday. Senator uh, Patty Murray, Democrat of Washington, said, I'm shocked and appalled. It's clear to me that this has been a deeply harmful, persistent problem and a clear pattern over a long period of time. It's time for him to step aside. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand said, obviously, there were new allegations today and enough is enough. We need to draw a line in the sand and say none of it is okay. None of it is acceptable. Minority leader Chuck Schumer uh, and uh, minority whip Dick Durbin both called on Franken to step aside as well. The latest accuser on Wednesday is a woman who was not identified but told Politico that Franken pursued her after her boss had left and she was collecting her belongings after this uh, show. She said that uh, she tried to avoid Franken, who told her, quote, it's my right as an entertainer. Franken has said in a statement that the idea he would make such a claim is preposterous. He said this allegation is categorically not true. And the idea that I would claim this as my right as an entertainer is preposterous. Franken said, I look forward to fully cooperating with the ongoing ethics uh, committee investigation, which, by the way, he called for himself, asking the ethics committee to investigate him after the initial claim was made by a Los Angeles uh, radio host that uh, he had inappropriately kissed her during a rehearsal for a 2006 USO sketch after she agreed to be kissed in that sketch. Franken said he remembered the matter very differently than she did. Uh, Nonetheless, he has been apologizing. The other claims were from uh, one woman on the record and several others who did not agree to release their names who say that the former Saturday Night Live comedian inappropriately touched their behind while posing for uh, pictures with him. Franken has not denied those claims, though he says he does not remember any of the incidents and has apologized for those as well. There are 16 Democratic women in the Senate. Among those who have not yet commented are Franken's uh, fellow Minnesotan, uh, Amy Klobuchar, the uh, senior senator there from Minnesota, whose office said she had spoken to him on Wednesday morning. And uh, and Massachusetts' Elizabeth Warren has also not called for him to step aside. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon, tweeted that he expects Franken will announce his resignation on Thursday. And, of course, there is the irony, among many other ironies here, that while Franken might be departing the Senate, Alabama GOP Senate candidate Roy Moore might be arriving at the Senate if he prevails next Tuesday, December 12th, 
in the uh, special election there in uh, in Alabama. Multiple women have accused more of sexual misconduct with them when they were teens, including one who said that Moore molested her when she was a 14-year-old girl. Uh, that's where we are. That's the uh, that's the state of uh, Congress. Desi Doyen, any thoughts on all of this? <laughs> I'm sure you have a few in a minute or so. We I, have I do, and we don't have a whole lot of time. And I just want to say, look, I, I'm not exactly sure where we have to draw the lines here when it comes to misconduct versus inappropriate language or groping versus actual sexual assault. So I have a problem right now with, gro- with uh, grouping all of those together. I think that uh, what Al Franken has been accused of doing is not not the same on the same level as Roy Moore or Harvey Weinstein or Matt Lauer or Kevin Spacey, all of whom actually or Donald Trump or Donald Trump. Exactly. All of whom have actually assaulted people. So, you know, to me, there's got to be some proportionality. I would like to see what happens with the ethics investigation first before calling for him to resign because, you know, he's been a champion for women and has been a champion for legislation that helps women and preserves women's rights. So I have a problem with lumping him in with the same people and giving him a worse punishment than folks like Roy Moore and Donald Trump. Uh, uh, Well put. I, I, too, would like to see how the investigation uh, moves forward in the U.S. Senate. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, the, the charges against Franken seem of a completely different magnitude than the charges against uh, some of these other folks, uh, including Roy Moore. And, uh, you know, I haven't called for Roy Moore to step aside. I think that voters should, uh, you know, decide if they uh, find the charges credible from uh, dozens and dozens of, uh, of folks in Alabama who are on the record about some very specific and very troubling details. Um, but well, That's where we are at this point, once again, in these United States. Uh, We will talk about this, no doubt, in the days ahead. And uh, but I want to get to a quick break here because there's two big cases that I want to talk to Mark Joseph Stern about and have plenty of time to do so, because uh, two big cases heard in the U.S. Supreme Court this week, one on cell phone privacy that almost nobody is talking about and another that a few more people are talking about concerning baking a cake for a same-sex wedding and uh, the alleged right to uh, for a business to not have to bake that cake if the baker doesn't want to. It seems kind of insane to me that this has made it up to the U.S. Supreme Court, but we will talk about both of those cases next with Mark Joseph Stern. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. 
We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake. <laughs> baked the cake. Baked a big fat cake. If I knew you was coming, I'd have baked the cake. How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, the... The U.S. Supreme Court is hearing a number of very important cases this week. And while the idea of whether a baker can be allowed to discriminate against customers who happen to be gay sounds like an absurd question to even make its way to the highest court in the land, at least to my ears, that case was on the menu at the court this week. And whatever the court decides could have an enormous impact on the civil rights of all sorts of folks, from the LGBTQ community to minorities of all races, religions, and creeds. On Tuesday, the court heard arguments in a case for and against the argument that baking a cake for money is actually an issue of free speech and or a free exercise of religion. As legal reporter Mark Joseph Stern explains at Slate this week, the case... Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission began in 2012 when Charlie Craig and David Mullins walked into Masterpiece Cake Shop to buy a wedding cake. Same-sex marriage was not yet legal at the time in Colorado, but the couple intended to marry in Massachusetts and then hold a reception back home. They sat down with Jack Phillips, the bakery's owner, and explained that they wanted a cake for their wedding reception. Phillips then informed them that he would not bake a cake for same-sex weddings on account of his Christian beliefs. He had previously refused to make cupcakes for a lesbian couple's commitment ceremony, saying he was, quote, not willing to make a cake for a same-sex commitment ceremony, just as he would, quote, not be willing to make a pedophile cake. Craig and Mullins filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Division. They alleged that Phillips had discriminated against them in violation of state law, which bars discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation in public accommodations. The commission filed a complaint against the bakery and eventually found that the business had engaged in unlawful anti-gay discrimination. It ordered Masterpiece to stop discriminating against same-sex couples, and to train its staff to comply with state law. Phillips appealed, arguing that the order violated his First Amendment rights to freedom of speech and free exercise of religion, and the court, the Colorado court rejected his claims. Now, that would seem like it should be the end of the case. But apparently, I'm incredibly naive because in June of this year, apparently enough U.S. Supreme Court justices thought this case worthy of being heard in the highest court in the land and agreed to hear it. It was argued this week, and Mark Joseph Stern was there for the argument and, uh, and for another case that seems to me at least to be much, 
more legitimate, a much more legitimate question in a case that asks whether law enforcement has the right to know your whereabouts at every single moment based on the location of your cell phone simply because you agreed to, um, well, I guess use a cell phone. Mark Joseph Stern covers the law, the court system, the Supreme Court, and LGBTQ issues for Slate.com, and he returns once again to the broadcast to help us make some sense of the seemingly nonsensical. Welcome back, Mark Joseph Stern. Thank you. Uh, one day you're going to have me on to talk about some good news, I swear. It's going to happen one day. Will there be any, some point, uh, anytime soon? I can only uh, hope. At this point, it doesn't look good. Uh, Mark, let me, uh, let's me let hold the dessert for last, the gay wedding cake issue. Uh, and, and let's start here. As I read your piece on uh, Carpenter versus uh, United States, a cell phone privacy case, and and uh, before we get into that case, I really don't know the answer to this, and I don't know if you will either, given how unprecedented all of this is. But are we uh, are we now normalizing a stolen supreme uh, stolen seat on the U.S. Supreme Court in discussing here how Neil Gorsuch, Justice Neil Gorsuch, uh, who now occupies a seat that was clearly stolen for him by the Republicans in the U.S. Senate, how he seems to be bucking his own side. Uh, in this case, among the justices, at least in this particular case, are we at a phase where we're now just forced to deal with a fraudulent Supreme Court majority as if it were a normal Supreme Court, Mark? Well, I think it's the right question to ask, certainly. Uh, and I absolutely agree that we need to remind ourselves whenever we discuss a vote uh, that involves Gorsuch or specifically is decided by Gorsuch as the fifth vote for one side or the other, uh, that he does indeed sit in a stolen seat um, that absolutely should have belonged to President Barack Obama's nominee. We should never forgive uh, the way that Republicans obstructed uh, the, the process of uh, Supreme Court nominations, the way that they disregarded their constitutional duty uh, of advise and consent. Uh, and I agree that it's really worth bringing up this history every time we're talking about Gorsuch, um, but I'm not sure that we're necessarily legitimizing him uh, because he is where he is, and we have to live with that fact, right? We can't remove him from the Supreme Court. Uh, at least right now, we certainly cannot. Um, and he remains a very powerful figure who's able to cast votes on major issues mm -hmm. uh, of American life and international life with regard yep. to the travel ban. Um, so, you know, normalizing, I think, is, a, is a, a bridge too far, as is legitimizing. Um, but I think that we do need to remain, uh, you know, aware of and nervous and angry about the fact that he still shouldn't be in this seat in the first place. Yeah, and that's what, you know, as I was reading your piece this week, headlined uh, Neil Gorsuch independent streak uh, you suggest that he's actually offering a, a reasonable argument in this uh, Fourth Amendment privacy and protection uh, against unreasonable search and seizure case uh, and you know I, I read it and it's a, a reasonable argument it's a good cause for hope in this particular case and yet I'm still troubled by the fact that we're you know sort of looking at his argument uh, and, and, you know, how it's going to turn out uh, on, on the court. But 
Yeah, look, you're, you're absolutely can... <laughs> correct. And I, I, I would just add that as a writer, I'm often faced with this situation yeah. where uh, I, I worry about rewarding people who are doing the right thing for mm-hmm. the wrong reason uh, or who are in a position that they should not be in but will nonetheless uh, do the right thing in one isolated instance. Uh, and my general policy is that we should reward whatever glimmers of independence or righteousness or candor um, that bad people may display. Uh, it doesn't do the good guys any good to simply, uh, you know, refuse to accept Gorsuch's vote in all circumstances. Uh, even though that might be a principled stance, it's not going to get them very far. So it makes more sense to me to sort of acknowledge that he shouldn't be here, but still say, hey, if it looks like there are isolated instances in which he's going to do the right thing, we might as well applaud that because it's better than him doing the wrong thing in a stolen seat. All right, fair enough. With that in mind, uh, Carpenter v. U.S., uh, this is a case regarding whether law enforcement has the right to, essentially, as I understand it, to cell tower location data uh, that is kept by cell phone companies uh, and whether law enforcement is required to get a warrant from a court before getting access to that data. Uh, first, am I, am I sort of summarizing the, the case correctly there? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, you know, uh, the, the case is almost sounds too crazy to be true, right? Of course law enforcement should need a warrant to get your uh, location over a period of days, weeks, months, years. Um, but that is not the federal government's position. Uh, instead, the federal government uh, takes the position that uh, because you voluntarily carry around a cell phone, Uh, And because that cell phone is constantly shedding your location information Mm -hmm. to the cell phone company, um, which then keeps that data for up to five years, uh, the government is able to access that data without a warrant because you cell phone customer have chosen to turn it over to your cell phone company and by delivering the data to a third party you have forfeited any fourth amendment rights that you might have otherwise had and the government does not need a warrant or really anything to bust into that cell phone company's offices and say give us the data on joe smith from the last five years and and that's even before you know i've got uh, google maps on my phone and i have to give them the uh the permission to use my location data uh, I didn't know that I necessarily agreed that you know Google could then give that information out to anybody in the world who wants it. Um, but we're not even talking about an affirmative decision like that on an app on the phone, are we? We're talking about just owning a phone in the first place without yes. giving permission, right? That's right. Literally just your cell phone. So if you have a flip phone from 2005 <laughs> right. that has no internet connection or data package and simply functions as a telephone, um, then you are still turning over your location information to your phone company uh, because that phone uh, is constantly geolocating in relation to the nearest cell phone towers uh, and can uh, log your location pretty uh, specifically and precisely uh, at all times. So no, we're not talking about big data here. We're not talking about agreeing to let 
Facebook or Twitter or Google Maps access your every move. We're literally just talking about carrying around a cell phone and using it the way that cell phones are used. And the government is arguing here that, uh, as you said, because customers are turning over uh, data to a, a, a third party when they buy a cell phone, that they have no right to privacy somehow uh, on that information. Was this the was this the, is this an argument made by the uh, by the Trump government, the Trump uh, DOJ, or was this uh, also the the government's position uh, prior to Trump taking office? Yeah, that, that's a terrific question. This has been the government's position for years, uh, including under President Barack Obama. Um, it, it is a sad reality that no government, Democrat or Republican, um, ever wants to uh, surrender its right to access information without a warrant. Uh, it makes it very easy for law enforcement to engage in dragnet searches, uh, and law enforcement generally likes to do that. Uh, so yes, this is not something that can be laid at the feet of the Trump administration. The Trump administration attorneys are simply picking up and carrying forward an argument that was first made by the Obama administration. And here we have Neil Gorsuch, uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, uh, in that stolen seat, offering what seems to be actually a reasonable argument and one that uh, seemed to buck his own side of the court as you saw it as you were uh, as you were in the in the courtroom um, based on uh, you what you describe as two separate theories of the Fourth Amendment one a privacy-based theory uh, and one a property-based theory can you quickly break down those two ideas yeah so there are two different conceptions of the Fourth Amendment both perfectly valid and uh, deployed by the Supreme Court where appropriate. The first is this idea of a reasonable expectation of privacy, which is um, this notion that it, when we are caring about our business and everyday life, when we are in our homes, when we are uh, making a call in a, a payphone booth in the 1970s, for instance, or we're in our car driving along the highway, um, we do not expect the government or anybody else to be listening in on us or spying on us or accessing information from us. Um, and so the court has recognized that you have a reasonable expectation of privacy uh, in all of those situations, uh, and that is why the government cannot wiretap you, for instance, mm -hmm. um, generally without a warrant. Right. Um, the government has to respect your expectation of privacy uh, and uh, needs to get a judge to affirmatively approve law enforcement's um, decision to violate that privacy. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's the privacy argument. The property argument is... Which, which seems uh, it, perfectly reasonable, I should say. I mean, that yes, seems absolutely. to make sense. So this is, this yeah. is a perfectly reasonable way to, to conceptualize the Fourth Amendment. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, some conservative justices have uh, often kind of... Um, disagreed with this conception of the Fourth Amendment because the amendment itself describes property, right? Persons, uh, your home, your papers, your effects. Mm -hmm. It seems to be explicitly protecting um, the stuff that you own from government invasion, right? And so conservative justices have developed this kind of alternate uh, uh, strain of Fourth Amendment theory, which says that when the government trespasses or intrudes upon your stuff, the stuff that you own, uh, and it wants to, to, to trespass in order to gain information, mm -hmm. uh, then that is a Fourth Amendment search, and that also requires a warrant. So, for instance, um, if the government sneaks up to your car and sticks a GPS tracker on the bottom of your car, mm -hmm. um, the Supreme Court has said when, when that uh, government agent reaches underneath your car and futzes around with your car, right, 
It is messing with your stuff that mm-hmm. you own under the law. If someone else did that, you could sue them. And so the government needs to get a warrant uh, in order to be able to commit that trespass. And then, uh, that, and right, and that seems to also make sense. So Gorsuch brought up this, uh, what seems, as I say, a reasonable argument that the information is the, that the, the cell phone information is actually the property of the customer. And uh, that if, if law enforcement wants it, they're actually taking the property of the customer. He, he offered this uh, uh, question to, I, I think, to both attorneys uh, in this case uh, that you quote Mark Joseph Stern saying, uh, say a thief broke into T-Mobile, stole this information and sought to make economic value of it. Uh, would your client have a conversion claim, that's essentially theft of property as I understand it, under state law? So uh, could the customer in that case, if I understand it, he's saying, could the customer who had their that data stolen, would they have a case against T-Mobile for not protecting their property, essentially? Is that right? Yeah, yeah not just that, but they could also sue the person who took their data Mm -hmm. uh, and sold it for cash. So, uh, you know, for instance, if some company wants to learn about the uh, patterns, the movement patterns of Mm -hmm. 20-something, and so the company sends some agent to break into a T-Mobile store and collect all of the data on 20-something customers, because that information is usually in the file, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it downloads all of this information about 20-something customers' movements over the last say, six months, and then sells it to Facebook so that Facebook can better advertise to a certain segment of the population. That is clearly theft, right? Mm -hmm. That is theft under any state law and also under various federal laws. Uh, And so you would be able to sue the company for doing that. You could probably sue the T-Mobile store as well. Uh, And you'd have this very strong claim for saying, look, this person unlawfully uh, interfered with my stuff that I own. And how do we know that you own it? Because under the federal law that actually governs this data, uh, customer location information is labeled their proprietary information. So this is the property of the customer. You own the movement records that your phone mm-hmm. is sending to your cell phone company, and nobody else gets at that stuff unless they have permission. So what Gorsuch is saying is, look, I don't get to go into T-Mobile and steal this data. You don't get to go into T-Mobile and steal this data. Why does the government get to go into T-Mobile, take all of this data, and use it against you when those rules don't apply to anybody else? Uh, And I think that the theory, even if it's a kind of an originalist approach to a modern problem, Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think he's right. I mean, they they can still get at that information. They just have to go to a court and uh, get a warrant for it, explain to the judge why that information is important. I'm uh, I'm troubled, of course, that I tend to agree with uh, with Gorsuch on this case and uh, and Scalia before him, because I think this is sort of uh, an idea that Scalia had been uh, bringing forward previously. How did the argument, i got to get to a break here, Mark, and we'll talk about the cakes in a second, but how did that argument uh, seem to go over with, uh, with the other justices? Uh, well, you know, I think that there may be a 
split uh, among the justices as, uh, with regard to the explicit theory that applies. The liberal justices and, uh, and the chief justice were talking more about this expectation of privacy approach, which is also perfectly reasonable, right? I mean, turning over information to a cell phone company of all of your movements over the span of a year is not like uh, turning over bank records to a bank, right, which is the original case where the court said, oh, if you give it to a third party, you lose your privacy rights. This is something very different. It's a much more comprehensive set of data. Uh, and so I think a majority of the court probably will rule on these reasonable expectation of privacy grounds. But there were a few justices who were very interested in Gorsuch's theory as well. Justice Sotomayor actually explicitly referenced it. Uh, and she has uh, made, her, made it clear that she supports both of these theories of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, in that car GPS search case that I talked about, mm-hmm. she kind of she promoted both theories and said, look, both of these apply today. Uh, and so I think that you could have this kind of uh, double ruling, a kind of bolstered ruling where the court uh, says this is absolutely a Fourth Amendment violation uh, and different coalitions of justices mm-hmm. agree that it violates both the privacy-based approach and the property-based and approach. And some of the liberals going along with Gorsuch in this case, it seems like. Uh, is this, uh, by the way, is this the first time that we have seen Gorsuch sort of break away from his fellow Republican appointees uh, since he took that stolen seat on the bench earlier this year? So not quite. There's actually one other case uh, that I think he will break away from the conservatives in called DeMaia, uh, and it involves this extremely ambiguous statute um, that renders undocumented immigrants uh, uh, deportable. Uh, and it's very unclear what the statute actually does, what behavior it describes and proscribes. Um, and Gorsuch, like Scalia before him, seems to really hate vague statutes. You know, the court has long held that super vague laws uh, violate due process because they don't put people on notice as to what uh, is and is not permitted. Um, so I think that there, this is basically the roadmap for Gorsuch's independence. Anything that Scalia happened to be good on, Gorsuch <laughs> will probably be good on as well. That is a small category of things. Both of them are wrong like 95% of the time. Right. But uh, I'll say again, if we can bring a case that gets their vote for the good side, we should absolutely do it. We, we need to take whatever we can get at this point. Mark Joseph Stern, sit tight. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and come back and talk about this this uh, cake, this uh, this gay wedding cake uh, case, which I just find ridiculous, but it uh, the ramifications are not. So sit tight, Mark. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. You gotta fight for your right to <laughs> Well, you can party. You just can't have a, a cake at that party, apparently, if you're gay and if the party is a same-sex marriage ceremony. 
and the baker doesn't want to bake it for you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with Slate.com legal journalist and very, very smart man, Mark Joseph Stern, who was at the U.S. Supreme Court this week uh, for oral arguments in a number of cases, including Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which he writes about in an article this week aptly titled Masterpiece Theater. Uh, Mark, uh, to be honest, I, I'm having a difficult time taking this case seriously. Uh, it is. <laughs> you are absolutely correct to be uh, struggling. I, this is an embarrassment, it's, in it's, my view. But nonetheless, it's, it's very serious. But, you know, in, in truth, I was thinking about it today. It sounds like the beginning of a joke. Uh, two gay guys walk into a bakery shop to get a cake for their wedding. And uh, unfortunately, the unfunny punchline is that the baker here, a Colorado man by the name of Mark Phillips, refuses to bake the cake because it's for a reception that the men are holding for their same-sex marriage and that Phillips would be uh, no more willing to bake a cake for that same-sex commitment ceremony than he would be, quote, willing to make a pedophile cake. Mark Joseph Stern, perhaps this is a dumb point, but did the issue of whether he investigates whether or not his customers actually are pedophiles before agreeing to bake them a cake come up at the hearing or in the in the lower court case at all? Uh, excellent question. No, it did not at all. Uh, and by the way, I must note, his name is actually Jack Phillips. I'm oh, Jack. pleased to report that we don't share any names in common, uh, <laughs> to my knowledge. So, no, of, of course he did not investigate whether his customers um, were pedophiles. And it's a great point because what happened here is a clear-cut case of discrimination, right? These two men walk into a bakery. They say, we want a cake. Uh, it's going to be for our uh, reception, celebrating our marriage. Uh, and the baker says, no, I do not sell cakes to same-sex couples getting married because I believe that homosexuality is sinful and I oppose same-sex marriage. Uh, and the couple said, all right, well, we'll get a cake somewhere else, but we're also going to file a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission because um, for quite a while now, uh, Colorado state law has prohibited discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation in public accommodations, so businesses like Jack Phillips. Um, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission easily found that, of course, Phillips had violated state law and basically just asked him to stop. Uh, and he refused to stop. And instead, he said, no, I have a First Amendment right uh, under the free speech and free exercise of religion clauses to discriminate against uh, gay customers and specifically same-sex couples. And now that claim, despite being uniformly rejected in every court to consider it, in this and similar cases, has reached the Supreme Court of the United States, and it looks very likely that five justices will side with Jack Phillips. And uh, we should make clear here, I think, that this is um, this was a state law, that there are... I guess in states that don't have this sort of civil rights uh, law, this uh, anti-discrimination law, uh, would it be perfectly legal and there would really be nothing to challenge if a baker said, no, you're gay, I ain't baking you a cake? Yes, that's exactly right. In other states, there is no uh, law prohibiting mm. sexual orientation discrimination in public accommodations. Uh, and so Jack Phillips could easily move uh, just across the border to, uh, say, Texas, 
uh, and turn away all gay customers. Wow. Um, but he, uh, he happens to live in Colorado, and so he is legally obligated to follow Colorado law. And there's actually kind of an ironic little point here, yeah. which is that the Supreme Court's conservative justices have been really lecturing gay people for years um, that they should stop turning to the courts to vindicate their rights and instead go through the democratic mm. process um, <laughs> to secure their equality under law. Right. And here we have a case of gay people doing exactly that. Uh, gay people in Colorado fought long and hard um, to change the law to protect their right to equal service mm -hmm. uh, in public accommodations. They succeeded. Uh, and now those same Supreme Court conservatives who said, oh, you have to do this through democracy, are now poised to say, actually, you don't get to do this and nullify the rights that they secured through the democratic process. Wow, great point, Mark, really is. Uh, so Phillips, he's, he's arguing here that this is both a free speech uh, case and a free exercise of religion case, as I understand it. What uh, what religious scriptures uh, say thou shall not bake a cake for a reception for gay people? Uh, wow, you must not have read the Bible, because that's the header and footer of every really? page. Really? I missed um, it. No, you know, I, of course yeah. this is not in the Bible. This is his own um, extremely conservative dogma fueled by basically Republican values, mm -hmm. right? This is a, really a mixture of political and religious beliefs. Um, but as soon as this all uh, became a problem for Phillips, he uh, secured the representation of a group called Alliance Defending Freedom, which is the premier anti-LGBTQ uh, litigation firm in the entire world, really. Um, they do all kinds of work. If, for instance, in Belize, um, the ADF fought to keep homosexuality criminal. Uh, and here, ADF has litigated against uh, pretty much every LGBTQ protective law uh, that's on the books. Um, and so ADF very sagely counseled Mr. Phillips to frame this not as just an act of pure bigoted uh, discrimination, I hate gay people, which is really what it was, yeah. uh, but instead uh, as a passionate exercise of his own deeply held religious beliefs. Um, ADF actually sort of rewrote the factual record here uh, and had Phillips change his description of the initial encounter uh, to claim that he had said um, all of these very accommodating and conciliatory things to the couple, um, which he probably did not say. Um, and so, yes, this is just uh, an act of bigotry. But according to Phillips, he is being discriminated against by the state of Colorado um, because the state has gone after him in enforcing its civil rights law with the explicit purpose of punishing and suppressing his Christian beliefs. Now, the argument at times, as I was reading the transcript and reading your reporting on this, Mark, uh, it, at times seemed just comical. Uh, can you summarize or even read some of that questioning uh, when the liberal justices were asking about the uh, the rights, well, if a baker has a right to not bake the cake, then uh, a florist, an invitation designer, and many other people would similarly, I guess, have the right to refuse service to a, a customer because they disapproved of them for uh, really any reason they want to, it seems to me. Right, right. This is a dual argument. This is a free exercise and free speech argument. And Phillips also claims that making a cake is expression. 
uh, the, the, making a cake, cracking the eggs, mixing the, the ingredients, that that is an act of speech and thus receives uh, robust First Amendment protection. And so the liberal justices, particularly Elena Kagan, uh, kept asking the ADF attorney, well, what about jewelers? What about hairstylists? And the ADF attorney said, no, styling hair is not speech, but making a cake is speech. Uh, and so Justice Kagan said, why is there no speech in creating a wonderful hairdo? Why is there no speech in being a makeup artist? A makeup artist, Kagan said, uh, surely thinks that they're doing something of great aesthetic importance to a wedding uh, and that it takes a lot of skill and artistic vision to make somebody look beautiful. Right. Uh, and the ADF attorney simply said, well, that's not speech. Uh, and Kagan retorted, well, some people might say that about cakes. Uh, and so what you see here is this effort by the justices to draw a line. You know, why is it that making a cake is speech, but that doing hairstyling or makeup or creating a beautiful bracelet is not speech? And there's no real answer, right? There's no real limiting principle for this argument. And the truth is that Jack Phillips and ADF know that. The Alliance Defending Freedom is not bringing this case because they want a narrow exception to a small subset of laws. ADF wants to essentially undermine and nullify every law on the books that protects LGBTQ people. And so they're starting with cakes, but they're not going to end with cakes. This argument is going to extend to everything that ADF describes as creative. Uh, and then beyond that, pretty much everything that you can think of that involves any expression at all. Uh, yeah, and it seems to me, I mean, because I, I, uh, in thinking about this, you know, isn't a carpenter an artist as well, expressing, you know, expression? Uh, could, could he or she refuse to build a a cabinet or a house for a gay couple, uh, you know, just as the the baker is making the ar argument here. The baker and the U.S. government, by the way, we should note that the U.S. government is uh, joining ADF in this case, at least uh, making the argument, uh, you know, that that, yes, there should be discrimination. But beyond the idea of uh, how many different fields we're talking about, you know, beyond bakers and, and you know, jewelry, uh, hairdo, uh, hairstylists, makeup artists and so forth. Uh, it seems like if the court agrees with this argument, then it's not just a matter of of some of these trades uh, being able to uh, discriminate. It's also a matter of being able to discriminate against anyone and anything, not just the LGBT community, but I mean, it, what if that baker said, I disagree with, uh, I think Muslims are, are immoral or mixed marriage of a of black person and a white person that violates his Christian belief. I mean, isn't there no end to who could ultimately be discriminated against if the, uh, if the Supreme Court goes the way that uh, ADF and the government is arguing here? There is no end, that's right. Um, and the government and ADF have claimed that they draw a line around race discrimination. They say, well, race is just different from all other kinds of discrimination. But they can't actually explain Wait, they're why. Sa they're, they're saying that you can't do it if it's on race, but it's fine to do it on sexuality. 
On sexuality, on religion, on gender, on everything else. That's right. Why? Uh, there's no real reason for that except to, to kind of be politically correct, right? Okay. Uh, the Justice Department and ADF know that it will sound really bad if they start this campaign um, by trying to legalize anti-black discrimination, race discrimination. So they say, oh, well, that's different. But they already acknowledge that every other form of discrimination um, would also be legal under their test. You, uh, you know, the baker could turn away an interfaith couple. Uh, an interracial couple, an atheist couple, an atheist baker could turn away a Christian person. Um, you know, all of these, uh, this slippery slope leads to these terrible hypotheticals that are absolutely true and really quite inevitable um, under ADF's arguments. Um, so, you know, eventually I think if the ADF and the government win this case, they will have to acknowledge that, in fact, race also belongs in this category. And at that point, the entire edifice of modern civil rights law will come crashing down yeah. um, because anyone can just assert a religious objection to any non-discrimination law, which exists in 46 states and at the federal level and hundreds of cities, and say, this just doesn't apply to me because of the First Amendment. And according to the Supreme Court, they will be right. This ridiculous case uh, actually has terrifying implications. You were in the courtroom. Uh, how did I know it's dangerous to read the tea leaves? Um, but how did this go over? It appears that once again, Justice Anthony Kennedy is going to be the swing vote in a likely five to four decision one way or another. Uh, how did uh, how did it go? How did are you able to tell anything from what uh, the, from from Kennedy's questions in this case? Well, unfortunately, it sounded like Kennedy is genuinely undecided. Uh, and he, he kind of swung back and forth to, through two different views. First of all, he understands that what this couple faced was an affront to their dignity. Uh, and basically said as much. Uh, and he also sounded angry that the Justice Department decided to weigh in at all, let alone on the side of the baker. Um, he kind of sniped at the Solicitor General um, for even being before him at all. That's encouraging. Um, but, but Yes, that is encouraging. And so through the first half of arguments, I thought, well, we're going to win this one. Um, but then when Colorado's Solicitor General stood up to defend the Civil Rights Commission, Kennedy absolutely tore into him and accused the state of Colorado uh, of basically acting with religious animus uh, or, or anti-Christian animus, going after Phillips because of his Christian beliefs or allegedly Christian beliefs uh, and not treating him with civility or respect. Um, all of that is not true. Uh, in fact, the record shows that the state of Colorado uh, dealt with Phillips very even-handedly, um, but it quickly became obvious that Kennedy doesn't really think that homophobes deserve any kind of punishment. You know, Kennedy, the great protector of uh, equal dignity for gays, also doesn't want all of those anti-gay activists out there to face consequences when they put their views into action. Uh, and so he kind of feels like he needs to stand up for this baker who, thanks to the Alliance Defending Freedom, has been framed as a victim of persecution and bullying. Uh, and so I think there is a real chance that here Kennedy could claim that Colorado may have acted with religious discrimination uh, and that the sanctions against Phillips cannot stand. Uh, which... Uh... It would be a remarkable outcome in this case, a remarkably troubling outcome uh, for where it goes from there. Uh, is, is there, I'll, I'll get you just your 
thoughts on where you think this is going to go. But is there any question? Let's end, end it here. Is there any question that this case would have come down on the side of non-discrimination had Republicans not stolen the Supreme Court majority by blocking Obama's nominee, Mara Garland, for a year and so that they could install uh, Trump's nominee, Neil Gorsuch? Is, would this case have even been heard at all, Mark? If a Democratic nominee had filled the seats previously occupied by Justice Scalia, there is a 0% chance that Jack Phillips would prevail in this case. And yet we are likely looking at a 5-4 to four decision that could come down in favor of discrimination against uh, gay people and who knows how many other, you know, what, what other, other sorts of people. Uh, because of that, because of that theft, and that's what you predict, essentially, a sort of a split decision. That's right. I mean, it's going to be close either way. Again, I don't think that Kennedy has really made up his mind. But look, we would not be sweating this one out at all if Merrick Garland were in that seat, because anyone with an objective, reasonable view of the Constitution should recognize that Phillips' claims are absolutely frivolous. Mark Joseph Stern, uh, if there's uh, ever any good news that you can let me know about that I can have you on to uh, to talk about, uh, please shout out and we'll we'll bring you on ASAP. Uh, All right. Sounds good. I'll be on the lookout. I really appreciate it. Mark Joseph Stern. Follow him on Twitter's at MJS underscore DC and read his always helpful, always clear uh, and important work over at Slate dot com. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure. All right. I just, you know, I, I keep trying to find more and more information on this case to convince myself that it is not absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, but it, it is. But it seems absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous, and it is absolutely dangerous. I mean, this religious freedom exception can be expanded should the Supreme Court rule that way. It can be expanded, like Mark said, to other groups like Muslims or Jewish people yeah. or even women. He mentioned that, but we didn't get into it. Even women could then be barred from certain things because folks don't think women should be doing those jobs or buying those things. Depending on how they rule here, I mean, I gotta hope... You know, Kennedy, even if he rules against this thing, he's got to understand the implications of such a decision. Uh, Mark, in his article on this, ends it by saying, once the court begins to chip away at civil rights law, there's no obvious endpoint. Today, it's same-sex couple that wants a cake. Tomorrow, it's an interfaith couple that wants a bouquet. What about cupcakes for a black child's birthday? Catering for a bar mitzvah? Are Starbucks employees coffee artists? Uh, he says that uh, this this group, this ADF group, brought this case to diminish protections for LGBTQ Americans, but it could wind up subverting the legal framework that shields everyone from discrimination in our day-to-day lives, and all because, he says, one cake artist would rather humiliate gay couples than do his job and bake the damn cake. Yep. Well, that takes the damn cake, doesn't it? <laughs> That's where we are. Just desserts, I suppose. Uh, all right. Okay, got any I, more puns? Well, uh, that would put the icing on the cake, oh. wouldn't it? All right, we got to get out here. Thank you very much to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, and, of course, to Mark Joseph Stern of Slate.com and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is, as ever, greatly appreciated. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. 
And my thanks to those of you stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. If you haven't been there lately, now is a great time to stop on by bradblog.com slash donate. Your support there is tremendously needed and greatly appreciated. All right. Thank you. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.